Hello and welcome to the Investment Week podcast for August, where we will be talking about the consequences of Britain's decision to leave the European Union for the wealth and asset management industry. I'm your host, Anna Fedorova. I'm the news editor of Investment Week. Investment Week has been the premier publication serving professional investors in the UK since 1995. You can find out more about us by visiting www.investmentweek.co.uk. After the UK voted to leave the EU on the 23rd of June, stock markets have been rattled by volatility, with European and UK indices plunging 10% or more on the day of the results were announced. And many financial and domestic stocks in the UK hit particularly hard. Since then, Though markets have rebounded, turmoil has continued in the UK commercial property sector, with many of the largest open-ended commercial property funds forced to temporarily suspend redemptions or adjust the value of their funds as outflows have escalated. July also saw the appointment of a new Prime Minister, Theresa May, who also announced her new cabinet, including a new role of Brexit Minister. In this episode of the podcast, we will be talking about the impact of Brexit on the wealth management community, the key challenges it faces in the new environment, and what the new government can do to help business. Joining me in the studio now is Guy Foster, Head of Research at Bruin Dolphin. Thanks, Guy. Firstly, what are the main challenges for the wealth management sector? The main challenges for investors everywhere now would be uh, the evolution of the of the policy and the economic environment we've obviously been uh, in a position now where for some decades we've seen uh, interest rates generally trending downwards they have now reached the levels where they're in negative territory in very significant very developed parts of the world uh, one of the big questions uh, for the UK uh, even for the US is whether that that they're still on that sort of downward trend whether everyone's converging on a sort of japanese style situation uh, or whether this uh, marks and a big sort of tumultuous changes in the world at the moment mark a a, a transition point towards some other uh, economic environment and that could be a, a stagflationary one an inflationary one what everyone is trying to pursue which is a reflationary uh, environment under those circumstances, obviously, all the things that have done tremendously well in the past, bonds most notably, but also lots of the specifically very defensive parts of the equity market, will start to look uh, rather expensive. And by contrast, things which have suffered from the deflationary environment, uh, things which have got relatively weak pricing power, will start to look extremely cheap. Uh, but it's a very difficult call to make at this stage. And so I think that making that call is going to be the big uh, challenge for investors everywhere. And in terms of um, the buying opportunities that are emerging, are you seeing anything at the moment at Bruin Dolphin or are you still sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what happens? We tend to think that any big change in the policy environment is better reacted to than preempted. You know, it is always challenging to know what is going on in the minds of policymakers, and that's probably particularly the case right at the moment. In fact, that's one of the big challenges that you have, is that more and more of the decisions that you need to be making now are really dependent upon changes by government or central banking policymakers. So in terms of the reactions that we can make, well, we can see that there are some uh, quasi-cyclical parts of the market which have become extremely cheap despite having pretty robust fundamentals, and those tend to be 
property-esque type parts of the market so uh, listed obviously particularly at the moment real estate uh, but also uh, the house building sector we feel having done our stress testing work actually looks quite quite good value uh, retail coming into into focus uh, uh, as well um, and then you've also got interesting evolutions of the policy environment so at the moment all eyes are on japan awaiting what is likely to be a more uh, a, a more proactive fiscal uh, policy stance and also um, back to the uk we know that there's going to be some form of stimulus uh, from the bank of england in august and what remains to be seen um, is whether it's one which just drives those interest rates down further or whether again it is something which is uh, more about boosting uh, the, the quantum of lending rather than the price of that lending. And what do you expect to, to be the impact on the financial services industry as a whole? The financial services industry is obviously a very big industry and you have a full range of different uh, different business models within that. So you've obviously got some uh, some parts of financial services, most notably banking, uh, which would be extremely sensitive to continually falling interest rates. So for that, for, for, for that part of the market, which is obviously very cheap at the moment, it depends a lot on how central banking responds to, this, to the new challenges. So are we going to see helicopter money? I think that would be a very pro-banking kind of policy. It's not looking like that's on the cards in the UK. It's much more in focus at the moment in, in Japan. Then you have the asset managers, so that's straightforward really. You know, if asset markets go up, they're going to make more money. If asset markets come down, uh, they're going to they're gonna make less money. And then you've got the impact of Brexit on things like the City of London that plays into into real estate uh, again now I mean unfortunately the situation is that that really is up in the air to a great extent um, but there are sort of clustering benefits to London which we assume uh, are, are very likely to remain and provide a, a sort of structural underpinning for the, the value of those assets and their very asset focused uh, valuations of sectors. And obviously, we've we've seen um, a new prime minister appointed uh, very recently, and we've got a new cabinet. So, what would you like to see from the new government? Well, um, what we would like to see from the new government uh, is what business leaders in general want to see from the new government. And as we record this, we're really reacting to the Deloitte uh, study that came out, in which business leaders said categorically uh, that they're not. They're not worried as much about monetary or fiscal stimulus. The thing they need more than anything else is a clarity on Britain's and the United Kingdom's trading strategy. And I think that would be echoed by by you know, any part of business and probably any part of the financial services industry as well. As it stands, we've obviously got uh, a government or, or a, a campaign which was fought very much on the basis that you could maintain free access to the single market whilst also limiting free movement of labour. Uh, that has been firmly rejected, uh, at least in open conversation, by our counterparts in in Europe. And so the question is, are they bluffing? Uh, or And assuming they're not bluffing, then which of the, uh, which of the ambitions of UK policymakers are they going to be most willing to compromise on? Great. Thank you very much, Guy.
Ben Seeger-Scott, Director of Investment Strategy and Research at Tilney Best Invest, about the implications of the historic rate hike by the Bank of England. On Thursday the 4th of August, the bank cut rates by 25 basis points, making its first move since 2009. It also announced a three-part stimulus package worth £170 billion, including £60 billion in further government debt buying, £10 billion in corporate bond purchases and up to £100 billion towards its new term funding scheme for banks. Though the stimulus package was bigger than the market expected, many believe the measures are not enough to prop up the economy following the Brexit vote, and some even say it was the wrong move to make. Now, Ben, firstly, do you believe the Bank of England took the right step with this move? Thanks, Anna. Um, I think it depends what you expect from the Bank of England. Personally, I think they've made a valiant effort given uh, what the, the tools they have at their disposal and the environment they find themselves in. I think if you look to the EU referendum vote, economists on both sides anticipated some sort of hit to GDP, the arguments being how long that lasts and how quickly they come out. But everyone accepted there would be a hit, and the Bank of England itself said some sort of stimulus would be likely. Uh, I think the Bank of England, th this is a much more global issue about unconventional monetary policy and lacklustre global growth. And I think the Bank of England, it's not trying to kickstart the economy. So the idea that this is going to boost the economy, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. It's much more about trying to main maintain stability as everyone is starting to forecast some sort of downturn. Uh, and in that regard, I think Mark Carney has done a reasonable job. It's about rhetoric, it's about sentiment and, and sending a clear signal. The market expected the rate cut. QE restarted slightly sooner than perhaps expected. Uh, and it's, it's some cute uh, additions around corporate bonds. Interesting, they're doing this uh, funding uh, term funding scheme. And that really addresses an issue about throughput mechanisms. There's been a problem that banks haven't been properly transmitting monetary policy. So it's interesting that the, the bank governor is, is looking to, to try and promote that. Uh, but I think within the context, can monetary policy alone do it? Probably not, particularly now uh, monetary policy is starting to be discredited. But in terms of providing some stability while other factors come into play, that's uh, a lot more likely. So I think it depends what you think the Bank of England is trying to do. And what do we expect to happen um, going forward from here? Do, do, do you think the bank will cut further? Are we likely to see more QE in the coming months? Well, I think most people think this stimulus uh, package on its own is not going to be enough even to stabilise markets uh, or, or the economy. So it's likely we'll see more in the future. How much is monetary and how much is fiscal? I think that's where some of the intrigue is starting to come back in. And there are expectations the government may look to do something. On the monetary side, there's not much further that interest rates can be cut. There's also limited scope for how much more QE can be deployed, not least because QE is becoming... I think it's already discredited, more people are coming around to that point of view. If you look now, we've had, what, seven years of quantitative easing. It hasn't kick-start the economy. We, it doesn't feel like a real economy. We may have seen asset prices go up, wages are subdued, growth hasn't come through, and now we find ourselves facing another downturn without the traditional routes. Uh, what's interesting is where, where Mark Carney goes from here. Other, other banks, particularly the Bank of Japan and the ECB, have gone down the negative interest rate route. That's a very questionable uh, route to unconventional policy. Mark Carney effectively ruled that out most recently. Uh, his view is that the lower bound is at but slightly above zero. So now interest rates are at 25 basis points. 
it's difficult to see how much lower they can go. There's probably one more cut in there, maybe to 10 or 15 basis points, and really that's the lower bound. And that's a view, I think, that's shared by the Bank of England and the US Federal Reserve. So maybe one more move on interest rates. Beyond that, we're probably looking at QE increasing the the size and the scope. Uh, That's probably about as far as monetary policy alone can go on this one. And you, mes- you mentioned fiscal stimulus as well, which is something that um, a number of commentators have, have talked about as well. Um, do, you, do you think that the government is likely to, to get involved in, in this situation? Almost certainly, uh, in my view. I think monetary policy, as its efficacy is clearly coming under question, and everyone knows this, I think you'll see not just in the UK, but also in, in other markets, this coordinated monetary and fiscal response. And I think it does need that two-pronged attack for it to be particularly effective. I think particularly interesting that that will involve an effectively a U-turn in government policy, abandoning some of these austerity measures to inject money. That's the best way to get it into the real economy. And ultimately, that's what these policies are trying to do. And I think given how uh, how little faith there is in monetary policy left, it will take both sides to, to have a meaningful impact. And I think from an investment point of view, then we'll start thinking, you know, if you look at markets, Bond markets, particularly sovereign bond markets, are looking fairly unsustainably expensive. Equity markets are looking pretty expensive as well. I'm not sure that bond markets will respond particularly favourably if governments start talking about increasing the deficit. And I think that is potentially uh, a risk for, for investors on the medium term. And lastly, what are the implications for the investment world of the bank's actions? Uh, I think it depends what, what time frame you're looking at. Interestingly, any time historically we've had QE, uh, in most markets there's been initially a positive response from risk assets, particularly equities uh, benefiting, the currency softening. Uh, But those responses are starting to change. Again, it depends how much you believe these policies will be effective. I think as people have less faith in these policies, you're seeing these relief rallies get shorter and shorter. You're getting diminishing marginal returns. So I think from the monetary policy side, even though in the short term it might provide uh, stimulus, there is a risk that if markets completely fail to believe they'll have any impact, that could potentially be a trigger for a market route in, in what is currently a fairly fragile environment. And at the same time, fiscal stimulus, whilst it may boost the economy, it may be a support for risk assets. Uh, again, it comes down to credibility. If people believe this will work, it could continue to see mar- markets supported. If they don't think it will work, then you could see a hit primarily to equity markets because of that sentiment channel, but also uh, sovereign bond markets unlikely to be particularly happy if you see an increase in uh, in the deficit. So that leads us, uh, and this is a position that, that Tilney Best Invest we've held for a year or so, increasingly becoming concerned on equity and bond markets that are, are looking much more correlated than they used to be, looking more towards alternative asset classes and alternative strategies. So absolute return vehicles, even things like physical gold on a sort of tactical basis, those are less susceptible, arguably, to to movements in the equity and bond markets. Thank you very much, Ben. That's all we have time for today. We would love to hear your comments and ideas for future podcasts if there are any particular topics you would like us to cover. You can contact me via email at anna.fedorova, that's spelled F-E-D-O-R-O-V-A, at incisivemedia.com. Thank you for listening.